You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Tommy's here. I am here. And Aaron is here. And we've got a lot of selfie talk, selfie gate talk today coming up because Tommy hasn't weighed in on the podcast on his thoughts on that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cowboys, too, because there is controversy in Dallas. Could Jason Garrett be coaching uh, his final few games there? Story yesterday about Nick Young and Gilbert Arenas from back in the old fun times, which we will get to as well. But we're going to start, before we get to Redskins' discussion, with Lamar Jackson, Tommy, because... I think what we're seeing here, so uh, 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 after the Seattle game a month or so ago, I went off on the podcast and on the radio show, and I forget if it was with you or not, but I just said this guy is, he's the best player on the field when he's on it. I don't care what kind of quarterbacking, traditional or otherwise, he's playing. He's just flat out the best football player on the field. He's electrifying to watch. He's becoming the best watch in the NFL. And last night I started to think, and you can you know tamp you know you can knock me down a peg or two if I get too hyperbolic on this thing, but this is a once in a generation thing. This is Ali's speed at the heavyweight. This is Bo Jackson. This is Michael Jordan. This is Tiger Woods. Not for you, but for most people. Okay. This is Usain Bolt. This is one of those guys that comes along where you're like, wow, you're just wowed. And you're it's electrifying to watch him. He's totally unique in what he's doing. Um, and you get to the point where when he plays, you feel like you have to watch it, which is different for the NFL because the NFL rarely, it's always about the teams, right? It's rarely about the player. This is about a player. And by the way, just as one point I want to mention to you, because this is, uh, I think you will agree with me on this. He's the greatest running quarterback of all time. It's not even debatable anymore. Michael Vick, Steve Young, Bobby Douglas, Randall Cunningham, you can put them all, you can count three spots from him until you get to whoever's number two. He's going to shatter the single-season record for rushing yards for a quarterback. Vic holds the record 2006, 1,039 yards. He's on pace for 1,275 right now. He is clearly the fastest quarterback in history. He's also maybe the most elusive, like Vic was. Um, he's a powerful runner, not like Cam Newton, um, but, but he's not Vic or Young. And he runs in so many different ways. He runs by design. He runs via the read option. He runs via speed option. He runs as a passer turned into a scrambler. He's the greatest runner at quarterback I've ever seen. Go ahead. The only I would I wouldn't disagree with any of that. The only issue is availability. How available will he always be to play? I mean, that's the million dollar question. In other words, like like you mentioned, Bo Jackson in there. Bo Jackson was was a meteor, and it it, it fizzled. Well, because it, he got hurt because of a freak injury, right? So I mean, that's the the only question with this guy really at this point is. Uh, how long can he sustain this kind of play? And when he isn't the fastest guy in the field anymore, can he make the transition into uh, a more traditional quarterback? Those are the only questions with this guy. So a couple of things. Number one, it's becoming harder and harder to distinguish between his strengths because he is becoming, by the day, by the game, a much better pocket pass yes yes okay he is. so he is not just a running quarterback I'm highlighting the running because I wanted to make the point that he's the greatest runner at the position that I've ever seen and we've seen and we just listed pretty much the list Vic Cunningham young you know that's you gotta put RG3 in there yeah but that's a meteor okay you know that I'm talking about well for, right now this career. guy's a meteor right now he is yes um, but he has a gun for an arm. Uh, he's getting be- better and better by the game as a pocket passer. He can throw with touch. He can make all of the throws. And when he finally figures out what's going on defensively, and you can see him growing there, forget it. Now, with respect to the health question, 
You know, this goes back to 2012, and I think you'll give me credit for this because I'm going to give you credit for something here shortly, including um, letting everybody in on an audience that we have and what they said about you. Um, we'll get to that shortly because Tommy, Tommy's head may not be able to fit through the door on the way out <laughs> after this show. But in 2012, when we were sitting there watching that mini camp that day, and I said, that's the pistol formation the Redskins are running out there. They're going to run him in a lot of dual threat stuff, probably in the red zone. I didn't see what was coming. Right. I didn't see shock and awe coming. Um, but I told everybody, you included, and you didn't fight me on this. A lot of other people did. I said, this is not a fad. This college element to the NFL is not a fad. It's not the Wildcat. You're not watching the wishbone. My God, people like Greg Cosell, who was this perceived expert, was referring to it as the veer. Phil Sims was embarrassingly awful in identifying the trend. Didn't know what it was he was looking at. He called them draw plays on national television as a football analyst and a former football player. And what the Shanahans did and what... You know, Greg Roman followed with in San Francisco and Daryl Bevel followed with in Seattle that first year. And then every NFL team implemented it to a certain degree was that making the quarterback dual threat made your running game completely different. And with respect to health, yes, you had to be careful running your quarterback more, but it actually made the pocket safer for a lot of these quarterbacks. Yes, it did. And so uh, the most severe injuries at that position happen in the in the pocket, I not outside that. of the pocket. And that's why, remember when we did the interview, or I, I, I think I did it with RG3. Remember when we played it back on the show? Yeah. And I said, doesn't what Mike and Kyle do for you in this dual threat approach, doesn't it make it more protective for you when you throw from the pocket? And even then, and this was in early 2013, he said, yes, it does. It makes it a cleaner pocket. It keeps everybody at bay. They don't know if I'm going to run or not. And I think you're seeing that with Jackson. Now, Jackson does take some hits. You know, Russell Wilson's the best at, at completely avoiding the big hit. Great guy at sliding. You know, somehow, sort of like Emmett Smith did as a running back, it's like he never takes a direct shot. Jackson takes some of those big shots, so you could be right. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it, being safer in the pocket, doesn't diminish the risk when he runs. I understand that. Okay, they're two different things. I understand, you know, he's safer in the pocket because everyone's worried about, you know, getting caught watching him run by them. But when he takes off, it doesn't be that doesn't make him any safer. So I I understand that at some I, I, at some point, and I have no reason to think that he won't be able to master this. At some point, when teams don't, and this may be. Who knows? This may be five years from now. God only knows what the NFL is going to look like in five years. But there'll be a point in his career where teams won't be afraid of him running. And then what kind of pocket passer will he be then? It's easy. It's easier to develop as a pocket passer when everyone's afraid of you running. Oh, yeah. It is, and I I give the Ravens so much credit. Well, they they're, they're smart. They're so they, they, smart. They got a great head coach. A little bit nuts for my taste, but a great head <laughs> no, his coach. His brother's more nuts than no, he this is. Guy, this guy's a little bit nuts too, but but uh, he's, he's a great. He's too much of a conservative he, for you. He's a great head coach. Okay, and they're a great organization. They've basically they're on their second general manager. In what 24, 23 years, and this guy and was and, and gr- only their was third mentored coach. by the first one, yeah, and only their third coach. I know. So they, they're a terrific organization. So I mean, that the fact that they had the brains to 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 draft him when they did, and then uh, John Harbaugh had the guts to put him out there when he did last year uh, over the quarterback who had won a Super Bowl for him. Uh, speaks to speaks to their intelligence and their their faith in their intelligence. Two things that we don't see at, at Ashburn Park. No, Ashburn Park. Ashburn Park. Redskins yeah, Park. Redskins Park. Um, I get them confused now. So I should just say hell. You know, <laughs> it really is. It's I I I, I loved. I, I've always been a John Harbaugh fan, and I've been a Ravens. I respect the Ravens. I'm, I don't root for the Ravens. I respect the Ravens. I, did I tell you about the Ian O'Connor story and yes. that I had him on the show? Yeah, did and you, I've read it. Did, what the, that really spelled it out. You yes. know, that's an organization that decided that 
you know, first of all, culturally, they're an out-of-the-box thinking organization and an innovative organization. At the same time, sort of retaining this toughness, you know, their uh, about them as yeah. their identity. Yeah. And they all bought in together. This was all together. This wasn't, you know... Uh, the owner coming in on draft night and saying, I want the kid from Bullis, yeah. you know, and everybody's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we did this draft board. This is a real organization, a real company that runs professionally, and there was a total buy-in. And then one of the key moments was, was the playoff game last year. You know, first of all, his opportunity, Jackson's opportunity, may not have come without the Flacco injury because Flacco was actually having a decent season last year when he got hurt. But that playoff game, when they fell behind the Chargers in Baltimore in that wild card round last January, and they were down 12 nothing or 15 nothing, or whatever it was, to, to the Chargers. And everybody watching, and everybody in the, the broadcast team, and you know the, everybody in the stadium was thinking... And count, me, count me in. Uh, count me those. in, because you know how, what I think of Flacco. Yeah. I thought Flacco can come in and save the day, yeah, maybe. Yeah, count me in on that. And Harbaugh said no because he was thinking about the future, and he knew that Lamar Jackson was his future. And that was an important moment in their relationship, and Jackson played really well. You know, he threw two touchdown passes, and they had the ball with a chance to win, and he fumbled late. Um, But um, the the Baltimore thing, you know – it would have never worked here. You know, 25 places this would not have worked because they would have tried to put a system on the guy, on the talent, rather than taking the talent and designing a system around it. They fired Marty Morningwig. They they elevated Greg Roman, who had done this with Kaepernick in San Francisco. They scrapped the whole playbook. They redesigned the playbook. They redesigned the language of the playbook. And they decided, this is our guy. We believe in him. And, you know, in very different circumstances with different players, this is what made Gibbs so great. Gibbs never took a system and put it on his talent. He looked at the talent and then said, well, this is what we're going to do with the talent we have. With Rippon, we're going to throw the ball deep. With Joe Theismann, we're going to run it. We're going to throw short passes. You know, it's Doug can throw the ball deep and can do a little bit of everything. And that's what the best coaches typically do in sports. I mean, there are examples where system guys win, you know, but the better examples of teams that evolve and stay winning and win over a long period of time are are organizations that can change with the talent that they have. Yeah, but it it, it takes everyone. It takes one thing. It it takes an owner setting the tone for that. Yeah. It, it, it It takes an owner who's smart enough to believe in the people that he hired to do the job, even when even when things are not going well, to stick by those people. Uh, let me ask you a question: Are you going to the Ravens game Sunday? I want to. I'm going up. I really want it to. Could be, it could be the Super Bowl, but the Redskins play the Panthers at one o'clock. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so I do yeah, have you do sort have of a, to watch. I it. do have sort of a responsibility. Do you know, Aaron? Did you know this? That the Ravens 49ers game is on Fox. Yes. And the Redskins Panthers game is on CBS. I did not know that. I thought that that might be the case. I thought they would try to move that around to it's make sure. It's one of those sure network cross. Yes. And I guarantee games. you that part of it was because I think that NBC might have tried to get this game, but Fox blocked it. You know, Fox and CBS both have a certain number of blocks. And I think that might have been a concession is that that might have moved to CBS. Well, we know Fox blocked Cowboys Patriots last week, yes. and that's why they got 49ers Packers. Right. This week, though, you've got Patri- uh, Patriots Texans in the NBC Sunday night spot, and it's a CBS doubleheader. Right. And the, the 49er. Raven game is on Fox, right. so they're not moving Brady out of Sunday night for this one. I don't know if it's because it's blocked or because NBC said, you know what, we got Brady against Deshaun Watson. That's right. pretty good, um, but it's a one o'clock game, and it's it will be a little bit crazy in Baltimore. This it's going to be nuts in Baltimore, and it's also this is could be the opportunity to see the Redskins at one o'clock opposite a, another 1 o'clock game get outrated by that other 1 o'clock game. We've seen the Redskins' numbers drop significantly when it's up against another big game. Typically, that's been a game involving the Cowboys. Yes. Um, this is head-to-head, 1 o'clock, Ravens 49ers or Redskins Panthers. Yeah. What are most people in this market going to watch? I, th- I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how, why you would watch how you could turn away from Ravens. 49ers, especially after what happened last night. 
especially after that Monday night game. I mean, all, all week people are going to be talking about Lamar Jackson. And, you know, I, I got to view him the same way I do. That yeah, he's I do. become one of those yes. d- dozen guys that are so unique that they've become, he's I, become must watch. I, I, he's become must watch. I just don't want to link him to those guys until he sustains something like this. I got to give credit to Marty Conway, my, my uh, co-instructor for the uh, business of sports media at Georgetown. class I teach at Georgetown. He said this could be the new crime stopper in Baltimore. <laughs> remember, remember the basketball player, yeah. Akil Carr. Yeah, where, where? What was his name again? Akil Carr. Akil Carr. Where, where Did po- he ever play in college? Uh, I don't. Seton he, Hall. He got to Seton Hall, but I think there were eligibility issues and stuff. So I'm not sure if he ever actually played a game. For those that don't know what we're talking about, there was a basketball player, a high school player named Akil Carr, who apparently was just ridiculous to watch. And they nicknamed him the Crime Stopper because every time he played, crime completely came yeah. to a halt in Baltimore because they all wanted to watch him. This could be Lamar Jackson <laughs> could be the new Crime Stopper in Baltimore because mm. I think that city's going to come to a halt come one o'clock on Monday. On I think Sunday. I think they are they are the Super Bowl favorite after last night after destroying the Rams the way they did. They're now on my book, Aaron. They're the favorites. The Patriots. I've got them at at basically three to two. Uh, I'm sorry. I've got them at five to two, and I've got the Patriots at three to one. It, it looks split. It looks like in Vegas, for the most part, the Ravens are the favorite, and when you look in New Jersey and some other places, the Patriots are still the favorite there. But it's close. Forty Niners and Saints are co-favorites in the NFC to win the NFC Championship. So we could definitely be seeing a preview, preview of, yeah. of the Super Bowl. I, right and now, it, don't yeah. see anybody stopping the Ravens except no. an injury to, to Jackson. Right. That's the only thing. That's what I and, but, I, and I see them going. If it, God, I almost hope the game's in Foxborough because I'd love to see the Ravens go into Foxborough and just S all over. Well, they, the they've Patriots done that. in an AFC championship game because I, I don't think the Patriots can stop them. Although that would be Bel- that would be one of Belichick's greatest achievements. Yes, it if would. somehow the Ravens run roughshod through the rest of their schedule, get to an AFC title game, and Belichick stops them. Yeah, I wouldn't underestimate Bill. Uh, but I will be there on Sunday at M&T Bank Stadium for this. Okay, so that means you can't ask Bill Callahan any questions in that 25-minute well, press conference that's going to follow the Panther game. I'm, I'm not driving to Charlotte to see, to see this team play. I might DVR the Redskins game and watch the 49er game live. You know, I think you can do that in this century. I'm not sure. You can do that. Uh, a couple of other quick things before we move on to the Redskins. Actually, before I move on to uh, introducing uh, the audience that we have and what they said about you before we got started. Um, so, um, on Friday, uh, the NFL Network started this um, show in identifying the 100 greatest players in NFL history. I watched it. I have not watched it. I recorded I it. One thing, it, it's a great show. I mean, because when we were growing up, running backs, this was, this was running backs. This was running backs, and yes. And when we were growing up, running backs were the stars. Right. And, I mean, running backs were the guys that, that you fell in love with, that you watched. So, two things on this. Number one, because um, we haven't done a show since I saw this list. Did you see the 24 finalists yes, for the position? Yes, and, and Rigo should have been on that list. Yeah, of course he should have. O- over Jerome Bettis. Of course he should have. Absolutely. Rigo should have been on that on that 24 list. I, and I, I, I talked about this on Friday. I thought it was a disgrace that he was not on that final it was, list. It was he ridiculous. He should have been on the list in front of Bettis. He should have been on the list in front of Thurman Thomas, Yeah, in my opinion. And he should have been on the list, and you can speak to this better than I. He should have been on the list before Jim Taylor. You know, I think that was that was just trying to grab somebody from that from that era. Well, they gr- grabbed a lot of guys from a lot of different eras. I know they did. I know they did. I think they were trying to do their best uh, uh, with that. Uh, look, I think Rigo should have been on a minimum on the twenty four on the list of twenty four. I think Larry Zonka should have been on the list of twenty four. I, I looked at. I looked, see. I, I watched. I, I don't look so at his stats. I. So did I. I watched I, Zonka too. I, I remember mean, Zonka. Z- I, I, I remember Zonka in the, in the World Football League. He he was he was for his time one of the most feared running backs in the NFL. He was. So I th- I would have put Zonka among the twenty four too. So um, Rigo should have been on the twenty four. And and the uh, the final list. Um, I had it here moments ago now let me ask you a question i watched it and they... i haven't watched it so don't spoil it if it's really good in spots no 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 it's great i mean the the the, the film of these guys running is great so i mean i'm not going to spoil well, i've heard belichick's phenomenal in yeah it. he is he he really is he's phenomenal in it uh but uh you know i think although they don't say this in the stories that they they wrote 
they they rated from one through twelve. No, I heard that they don't rank them. Okay, but they made a big point of saying of making intro. Why did they introduce Jim Brown first? It was a way to introduce the program, and everybody knows that Jim well, Brown was going to be on the team. I know that, but but they, they touted him as number one. Wouldn't you put him at number one? Yes, I would. Here was my argument: okay. if they were ranking them, and maybe I'm wrong, and I, I you know, uh, I I could be wrong because there's nothing online that says they rated them one through twelve. Right. They got to around to ten to introducing Walter Payton. Oh well, it, it was not supposed to be ranked. Okay. Was it alphabetical? I don't think so. Brown could have been the first one. Actually, Tommy, guess what? I've got no, the Emmett list. Smith, it's alphabetical. Emmett, Emmett Smith was would introduce second uh, on, on the show. The way they just okay, they the way they laid it out on NFL.com okay. is alphabetically. Okay. And Jim Brown is number one alphabetically. But Emmett Smith was introduced as Was as, Earl Campbell number two? No, he was not. Okay. So um Emmett Smith was number two on the show. So the list got Okay, par- so so forget what I said. They obviously didn't rank them according to any kind of of order. Because I would have been pretty angry if they waited till ten to get uh, Walter. Well, Payton. I would agree with you. So okay. But if they had put that. Earl Campbell number two, I don't know if I would have had a problem with that. Oh, uh, I mean uh, I I mean, to me, it it's Jim Brown, it's Walter Payton, it's Barry Sanders, and then Emmett Smith. Earl Campbell's always been in that 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 group for me. Um, so I was glad to see him make the final list. The guys that we thought shouldn't have been. And by the way, I think Rigo should, could have been there in front of Franco Harris too. I do. The Steeler teams, Tommy, were all about their defense number one. And then, yeah, you had Franco and you had um, and you had Bradshaw. You know, in the the last two Super Bowls, throwing to to Swan and Stallworth as a big portion of their offense. I thought Franco was a great Hall of Fame running back. I think Rigo was better. Okay, I would have again. My big issue with Rigo was was Bettis on there. I mean, there's oh, no yeah. doubt I don't that even Rigo. Think, I, personally, I don't even think Bettis should be in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt that Rigo uh, was was a better running back than Jerome Bettis. Come on. You know, Eric Dickerson made the final twelve. Oh, I, Eric Dickerson was the third running back that they they mentioned. Uh, Eric Dickerson's not number three on my list. Well, Eric Dickerson was was a really good running back, the Hall of Famer, top twelve all time. I think he is. They had Lenny, you know, they had guys here that I can't speak to. Earl Dutch Clark from the thirties made know, the final twelve. You know, they had they had Steve Van Buren for the Eagles. They did, and I understand that. You do, you know? Oh yeah. What yeah, about he, Marion Motley? Marion Motley, absolutely. Wait do you see the video on Marion? I've, I've seen okay. some of those highlights. I mean, it's basically they took Joe Jacoby <laughs> they and they gave him. him the ball. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and didn't he wear like a jersey 76. number in the seventies? Yeah, yeah. And and I understand Steve Van Buren. The Eagles won two NFL titles in '48 and '49 with Steve Van Buren at, at, at fullback. You know, I wrote a book about the Eagles. You did? Yes, I did. Is that one available for a nickel on Amazon? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Why did you write a book about the? Because Eagles? somebody paid me to write a book about the Eagles. <laughs> of course, what that's you, why kid? you wrote one. I wrote a book about professional wrestling. Somebody paid me to do that too. I, I never knew you wrote a book about the Eagles. It's called Eagles Essential. You'd like it. It's actually and an, it's an easy read. It, it doesn't come with crayons. I'm sorry. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, remind me. I, I, the reason I brought it up was Rigo um, first, um, but secondly, so. Somebody called when I was in the in, in the conversation about this on the radio show Friday and said Bo Jackson's got to be on the list. I said he played thirty eight games. I said I, I know what Bo Jackson was. Bo Jackson makes the top five all time great running backs if he just plays for two more years, but he didn't. Right? He played thirty eight games. So my son Corbin, who you guys know, um, out of the blue, it was strange. Like I get this text from him on Saturday. And I guess he and his friends were, you know, watching vi- – maybe it was off this running back conversation, and he just texted me. He goes, Dad, is Bo Jackson in the Hall of Fame? I just watched his videotape, <laughs> like his all-time videotape. I've never seen – he goes, I've never seen a better running back. Like, that's the all-time greatest highlight film I've ever watched. And I said, why are you asking me that? And he said, I was just watching his highlight reel. And I said, well, are you familiar with this conversation about the running backs? He said, yeah, I don't know who got voted in. When when you and so I decided to go watch the Bo Jackson highlight reel. Uh-huh. It is the greatest highlight reel of a running back of all time. Really? Oh yeah. I no. I think Jim Brown. <laughs> well, I mean maybe Jim Brown. Maybe. But wait, do you, wait, do you see it? I mean, I know you've seen the Jim Brown video I before, <laughs> but wait, do you see it again on this show? I mean, it, it's just it's Bo just, Jackson's the greatest team sport athlete of all time. 
I, that's a that's a statement I'm asking for true or false on. Well, I got to think about that for a second. Do do you count lacrosse as a team sport for Jim Brown? Yeah, Jim Brown was an All American lacrosse player. I know, not professionally. No, he wasn't because they didn't have professional. <laughs> and they, lacrosse they basically there. still don't. Yeah. That's not true. They do have some indoor league. I think. Yeah, I'd have to think. I, they got a, They got a team in Annapolis, don't they, Aaron? No, I, that co- that coach was the Maryland coach. I used to do a show with but him. But they still have it. Is it an outdoor team or an indoor? It's an team? outdoor team. Yeah, they have actually a couple one because uh, one of the big stars who played for played one of the local college, one of the big stars in lacrosse, just started a new one. So I think there's two professional lacrosse leagues you right need now. Need to get with the program, buddy. Get a little bit out of it. Um, no lacrosse leagues. I, I thought it was indoor. But no. whatever. Okay, but how many games, Aaron, can you look this up? How many games did Gail Sayers play? Because he's in the top 12. If Gail Sayers, though, had seven years of playing in, that, in a nine-year career, because I think I've looked that up before. Um, he played 68 games. Okay, 68 yeah. games. That's yeah. double what Bo Jackson played. It's not played. double, but it's, it's, uh, it's 30 more. So, and how... Uh, Gail Sayers was basically a seven-year career playing, right, Aaron? It, it was really five. He played yeah, two, oh. two, two games in each of his final two yeah, seasons. Wait, okay, so five, five, five full seasons. Yeah. He, he, you know, there's no way you'd get me to con- consider Gail Sayers as not one of the greatest 12 yeah, well, running backs of all time. he is in the top time. 12. So. Um, the two coaches. It's a great show. Uh, so they're going to name 10 coaches to this list. Yes. And they they started on Friday night naming two of them. Bel- right. Bill Belichick and Paul Brown were the first two. Yes. Obviously, they're going to be on that list. Gibbs better be on oh, the list. Oh, come on. Of course he's going to be on that okay. list. Okay, I'm just, you know, one of the things <clears throat> I suggested on Friday, Tommy, was, you know, this anti-Redskin bias that we see out there, including Nike now not even printing Redskins on their gear. It says Washington football on You're it. Right. You know, so you got to be careful about this thing. I think Sammy Baugh is going to be one of the quarterbacks. Yes. I think Gibbs is going to be one of the coaches. And I think Daryl Green has a chance to be one of the seven I think, corners. I think he'll be one of the corners. He should. He, it would be criminal if he's not on whatever the final list is no, for the corners. He'll be, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, those three. Those are the three. Yeah. And I think Rigo should have been on the 20. I do not think Rigo should have been in the final 12. But I agree with you. First thing I thought of was how how could he not be in, in that list of 24? Outrageous. A- a- absolutely was. But Gibbs has to be a- a- among the coaches. I mean, he just won another – by the way, he just won another NASCAR, NASCAR championship. He's the greatest coach in American professional he, sports history, period. He's certainly one of the greatest sports winners of all time. Yes. Life winners, yes. for that matter. All right, quick uh, word about mybookie.ag. If you're looking for a place to bet, and hopefully you didn't bet the Rams, courtesy of my (laughs) advice last night, uh, Aaron said it when he walked in here this morning. He said the books took a bath last night. They've been taking a bath for about a month and a half now. But last night was a huge sports book need the Rams. Last night might have, I, I don't know if it's official, might have been the biggest single-game loss of the season for the books. Yeah, they needed the Rams badly, as did I, and maybe you did too. If you're looking for a place to bet, uh, no better time to bet than holidays. You know, I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. Really, I mean, it's the first thing I think of yeah, I mean, the ho- uh, around the holidays. Betting in the holidays. Um, this may be, as an aside, my favorite sports week of, this, of the year. It's it one is, or two. You got all the college hoops. You've got all the football. You've, it's rivalry college football Saturday. It's a great sports week this week. You got college basketball on all day long from now until Sunday, which creates, by the way, betting opportunities during this holiday week. MyBookie.ag is reliable. That's the most important thing to know because there are places where you can play that aren't reliable. They've got quality lines. They've got multiple ways for you to bet, including straight bets, teasers, parlays, in-game action, etc. Go to MyBookie.ag. They'll double your first deposit if you use my promo code Kevin DC. That's K-E-V-I-N-D-C. MyBookie.ag. Today you play, you win, you get paid. So today we're doing something that we don't do as a practice because it's we're in this podcast studio and it's way too small to do this. We used to do this. With- and Kevin's embarrassed at how, how the podcast studio looks because there's... There's really I'm, nothing. I'm in not here. embarrassed about it. Are you kidding me? Look at this. I'm not embarrassed at all. This looks like a jail cell. I'm a minimalist, okay. as you know. Yeah. I don't like to put pictures. When 
Tommy's office at the radio station was a shrine to Tommy. <laughs> you walked in and there were pictures of Tommy everywhere. There were awards and plaques and and, and everywhere. It was a shrine uh, no, to Tommy. That's not true. There was a Geiger counter. Did you have a Geiger counter? <laughs> I didn't have a Geiger okay. counter. Um, I, I did have I did have some weather model information. I didn't have a Geiger counter. But Tommy um, had a shrine to himself, and I always felt like if I put stuff up, it was going to basically clinch that they were going to get rid of me well, a week later. It, it, it did for me. <laughs> it did for me. It was hard moving all that stuff out. I don't know. Seven and a half years was a hell of a run. <laughs> um, but um, Tommy and I, over the years, have you know various uh, you know charity events and auctions have given out like a visit in studio visit. And Zubin and Bijan are here today. Um, and before Tommy got here, uh, they arrived. And what they said to me was the following. Is Tommy going to be in studio? I said, yes. They're, I mean, wide-eyed. They were so excited. Oh, get out. So excited. Oh, he's going to be here. He's not going to be calling in. He's going to be here. I made sure that he was going to be here because I knew you guys were visiting. And Bijan, um, lawyer, D.C. lawyer, Georgetown grad over here. By the way, give me your card before you leave. <laughs> said about you, Tommy, in, in my group of friends, has reached cult status. He is the oracle. Okay. <laughs> He's right about everything. <laughs> and he then went on to say, swear to God, there was a time early on where, you know, we were all annoyed by Tommy, which, by the way, he is an acquired taste. And I had to deal with that for years. What is the deal with his voice? And they... I'm like, you're going to love him. Just give it time. He's an acquired taste. And he said there was a time where it was annoying. And then after a while, all of our group texts, what did Tommy say? What did Lavero <laughs> say today? Oh, He's always right. He's the oracle. Look at how happy he is. Look at that smile. He made my day. It's really hard to get him to smile. Absolutely. When somebody says he's right all the time, he agrees with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you want to talk about the Redskins? Okay, let's talk about the Redskins. I was there on Sunday uh, at, at uh, Ghost Town Field. Yeah. Me and uh, about 25,000 other fans. I heard it was 30,000, the lowest ever for a non-bad weather game. I said it was 25,000. And half were Lions fans. I'd say, I'd say 15,000 of the 25,000 were Lions fans. The whole side of, of, of the visitor side <laughs> of the stadium was all blue. It I was know, blue I, everywhere you, you on that see, side you of the see stadium. See that on TV? Who knew? Yeah, that the Lions had all those fans. I know. In a three-six and one season. Well, you know, it, it, in a way, it shouldn't surprise us, even though it did, because the Redskins are the same thing when they go on the road. Redskins fans. People love going to see their teams on the road. Yes. Yeah, this is the uh, the new phenomenon in, in the NFL, especially for losing teams. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, they turn it into a vacation, and Washington's a great destination spot. So I, I guess we should understand why why people you think, come. You think there were only ten thousand Redskins fans in the, in the stadium? I do. I, I heard maybe fifteen, no more than that. I think ten thousand. Well, I'm pretty if, conservative. If usually. that's the case, that is the worst live turnout for a Redskins game, not counting like the bad weather games, like that Chief game in 2013 at the end of the year when you had snow, you had sleet, it was freezing. That stadium was truly empty on that yeah. day. But This for, was the smallest I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't, and I haven't seen a TV rating for it. I'm going to assume that it was... Look, there, there is a reason to watch, and his name's Dwayne Haskins, and we're going to get to him in a moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, that that had I, – I predicted that it was going to be the worst ever because it wasn't the Jets where you got a lot of New Yorkers and you got a lot of New York Jet fans that are, hey, let's go down to D.C., we'll go to the game. Or if they live in D.C., you know, it, tickets were $4 on StubHub. I know. Um, all right, go ahead. Give me your take on the Haskins' performance first and then secondly the missing of the final play as he was taking selfies. Well – of the two, the latter and his post-game performance is far more important. His, his performance in the press conference, mm -hmm. okay, I'm convinced you need to run away from this kid. This kid is bad news. Oh, bad news. This kid, wait till, wait till, people, call, you called it a teachable moment maybe? I think it was a revealing moment. With the selfie. Wait till this kid has a little bit of success. He he didn't do anything 
on Sunday, except complete a couple of passes at the end under 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 mo- the most important circumstances. He came through for them, but for the most part, he stunk for three quarters. And this little bit of success basically empowered him to strut into that press conference and dismiss pretty much anybody who questioned anything he had done wrong. I mean, just literally dismiss it. You know, missed receivers? Oh, I banged my wrist. My wrist was hurt. Yeah, That was <clears throat> his answer for, for, for missing receivers as much as he did. If, I mean, and this was a, a minimum of success. I'm convinced that this is a kid who, once he has any kind of success, is going to feel so empowered that he, he it will be a disaster. This this is a guy who he he thinks like he said that's what I do. I'm the closer. Come on, I mean come on. I mean they, they, it was it, it looks look if you think I'm the only one and I wrote about this on Sunday, but I did it more subtly. Sally came out today with the hammer. I haven't read Sally. Yet. Okay, well basically Sally points out all of this that his performance in the press conference should be far more alarming than anything he did on the field. Do you give any uh, – is there any possibility that he's just not good in a press conference and he was nervous and he was – you know, and he doesn't have any experience in doing this, obviously. They didn't uh, the have press level. conferences at Ohio State? They did, but he was not a big-time communicator. He's very soft-spoken in those moments. Oh, and, he was and, not soft-spoken – Oh, uh, I thought he was soft-spoken. No, he was not soft-spoken I thought at Sunday. times it was difficult to really understand what he was saying because no, he, he was so soft-spoken. He was arrogant. He There, there was some arrogance he, there. He, for arrogant, for, for a guy who really didn't do, who didn't do anything. But you didn't he, answer my question. Do you give any – is there any possibility that it was just – it was nerves that got the better well, of him? What does that mean, any possibility? I don't know because, of course he, there's because any he had possibility. a bad press conference. Of course there's a, a okay. possibility. My inclination, my gut reaction, having, having covered pro athletes for 28 years, is this kid's going to be a problem. Oh, boy, you just stepped in it because um, I know he's the oracle, guys, that <laughs> he's always right. But do you know what he thought of RG3's first few press conferences? I loved him. I mean, let me give you a few words. The savviest press conference I've ever seen. This guy's got it all. This is it can't miss. Did you see the way he stopped and let the planes fly over because he knew it was too noisy and then continued? So your history with judging young quarterbacks after one or two press conferences is not very good. No. But with that said, uh, I wasn't impressed with the press conference either, and I am concerned about some of those same things that you're concerned about. But I'm also going to be patient on this because I have talked to multiple people who say that he is a good kid. They said the same thing about RG3. Yeah, but there was a, a sense of entitlement that he had that people recognized pretty early on. Not from what I heard. That The only reason I went on the limb in that New Orleans game, because the couple of players I had talked to just raved about his presence. Yeah. Well, he had raved some presence. He had some charisma, which, so. by the way, Dwayne Haskins doesn't have right. as a public speaker. RG3 was a charismatic communicator. I, I get that. but That's I, not I mean, Dwayne Haskins. At least, at least, at least Griffin uh, had some success before he, before he revealed his arrogance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy, I mean, really, I mean, what happens if he wins, like, if he actually wins a game, yeah. like he thinks he did, all by himself, you know, that's basically what he what he stood up there in a the press conference and, and acted like. I won this I game. I don't think he, that's not what I heard from the press okay. conference. I didn't well, hear him taking all the credit for winning the game. I do agree with you, though. Like the wrist thing and then, you know, circling back to say the game was over right. on the selfie thing when it probably wasn't. Um, there was an arrogance, and he was – he actually, whether he intended to be or not, he was combative. Yes. You know, in he a was... situation where you probably don't want to see that. I, I told Sean Springs on the air, and he, he we text back and forth, and he's been on the show a bunch of times. You need to get across to this guy. Press conference 101 for quarterbacks. It's really simple. You take all of the blame, and you take no credit. 
All the credit goes to somebody else and other people, your teammates, when you win. And when you lose, you take all the blame. Okay, let We me know re- that. And, and that's not what he appears to, to have the playbook on. Let me read from you what he said in case you don't think he thinks he won the game. I know how important it is for us to win football games. Now that I'm part of this and the guy running the show, it means that much more to me to get the win at home. I do it for my family and the people supporting the Redskins. Not we. Yeah. I. I know. You could you know what? I'm not going to argue with you that this could ultimately be revealing just like the draft night and charging fifty bucks ahead H and H at a bowling alley to watch the draft with him, the embroidered personal logo into the Bentley, you know, after he got drafted, the personal logo at Ohio State, the taking in the selfies. I'm I'm not gonna dispute the number seven jersey. The number seven jersey. I'm not gonna d- dispute that this is very this potentially is very revealing because my gut tells me that it could be. But I also feel like, and you know me when it comes to younger people and having coached in the whole thing, right. that there could be a lot of he's just got to mature a little bit and maybe he'll figure this part out. Now, with respect to the on-field performance, you said he was terrible you know, until the end. Uh, let's first agree on this. He delivered in the clutch. Yes. He delivered on two drives. Six yes, for did. nine, 79 yards, had a scramble for 11 yards. Yes, he did. And the reason I wanted him to play from the jump is I wanted to have other things revealed on the field. Is he a good competitor? How does he deal with adversity when he's not playing well? How does he deal with close game situations? I, under, I understand Detroit stinks. They're terrible. That team they put out there is horrible. Yes. Okay? But still, both teams trying to win the game. And I think that that athletic arrogance that he has on the field is a plus. You know, people have told me the last day because I I essentially said I didn't think he sucked as much. Wasn't very good for three and a half quarters. I get it. Incredibly inaccurate. But there were also some plays he made, and then he delivered in the clutch, and people were saying, ah, he's Jason Campbell. He's the opposite of Jason Campbell. He's not Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell was soft-spoken, didn't have that swag, didn't have that confidence. This guy believes... He's the best player on the field. Yes. And the problem with that is he may be the first to tell you that when the game is over, even during the game. I mean, I'd like to see him perform rather than promise it before he's performed. But, Tommy, there's a lot that he does that's intriguing to me. I was not a fan of him coming out of the draft. Not a fan at all. Didn't like that they picked him at 15. But I am intrigued by what I've seen, and I I think, first of all, the ship has sailed if it didn't already. He's going to be the quarterback for the next year. The final well, five mean, games so this year happened, and next year. So what happened to your Alex Smith theory uh, for next no, year? Well, what I'm saying is they're not going to draft another quarterback. Okay. Okay, they're not, there's no way Snyder, if Allen's still here, which I don't think he's going to be, there's no way Snyder's going to allow them to draft another quarterback to put right. on this roster. I agree. So, you know, we've got, you know, buckle in. We've got them for the next, you know, five games at the end of this year and a whole year next year more likely than not as the starter. Alex well, Smith no, the starter? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it could happen. You know, I mean, if I Al- mean look, if, if Alex Bruce Smith is here, it could happen. If Alex Smith can play, he's going to be here starting next year. I mean, he's not sitting with Dan Snyder in that box every Sunday. He's there every Sunday. For, for just because he's doing time. They're really tight right yes. now, Alex and Dan are. Yes, and we know that's the key to getting on the field. It's a big key to a lot of things in that organization. <laughs> so I don't, th- why, I don't think he's going to be able to play. Which is one play. of the reasons I've said, I don't think Bruce is, yeah, I believe Bruce isn't going to be there because if people were, just, were revealing something here, Bruce isn't as close with Dan on game days as he used to be. No, he doesn't seem to be. There is some distance. That's... Maybe they'll make Alex Smith the general manager. <laughs> Maybe they'll make Alex Smith the GM. Did I did I tell you that last week? No, I don't I, think so. I, I, I threw it out, and I don't know if it was here on the radio show. You know, I would have remembered that. Al- if, if Alex said Smith that can't play, don't be shocked if he's in the organization in a significant role. You know, that that's true. That, 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 that's true. Let me ask you about Joe Theismann. Let's, let's get to the selfie. Uh, for one thing, I think you're right. We don't know. We, don't, we, don't, we haven't had a, nearly enough yet to judge if he can play in, in the NFL. There have been some good moments. 
I think there have been much I more. I would still bet against that he becomes a franchise quarterback. Yeah. And the franchise quarterback definition, nobody really has it. I'll just throw it out here. you got to be like you know a consistent top 10 to top 12 quarterback in the league. Like Not numbers-wise, but people would say, we're picking starting quarterbacks, and you're one of the first 12 picked. Right. That's a franchise quarterback. I would still bet against it, but I'm definitely just more – interested in watching this play out than I would have been a month or two ago um, based on what I saw him uh, do in college. And got confirmation last night from John Kime, who had a conversation with him. He actually has lost weight and body fat from from Ohio State. That's why he looks more mobile and is faster and quicker than he ever appeared to be at Ohio State. But go ahead. I think it's too early. Look, I'm not bailing on him as, as a quarterback. I think it's too early. We we haven't had nearly enough seen him on the field. Plus, and I, I made this point, and uh, Brian Baldinger made this point on uh, on the station I'm on, uh, radio station 106.7 Fan. It's awfully hard to judge him when the talent around him is so bad, and the coaching around him is so bad. It's it's really hard. To, 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 to make some kind of judgments about him. You can make judgments on certain things. Yeah, I know that. But, but you know, some of the things we saw Sunday, you know, it, it doesn't matter who the coaching staff is, doesn't matter. You saw a guy desperately and urgently competing to try to win a game, which that's why the Jason Campbell thing is a complete disconnect. Can anybody envision Jason Campbell being urgent about anything? You know, the way he played was was very you know, it, it was it was not with a great deal of confidence or authoritativeness. I think you see Dwayne trying to be the authority, trying to be the guy out there. Yeah. I kind of like that, but go ahead. Okay, so I'm not bailing on him at quarterback. Okay. Let's get to the selfie. Right. Uh, you saw what Joe Theismann said. Of course. And then he came on the station with Doc and Al yesterday, and I listened to that. Okay. I don't know if you listened to that. No, I didn't. He sort of backpedaled a little bit. And was more complimentary and talking about Dwayne, but he's stuck with the, you know, that's a moment you can't miss. It's unprofessional, and you should be thinking about celebrating it with your teammates first before you celebrate it with anybody else. Okay, so for everyone who had a problem with Joe Theismann's tweet when he tweeted out it was unprofessional and wrong, if it wasn't unprofessional, was it professional? No, it wasn't Okay, so then it's unprofessional. Was it right? No. Then it was wrong. It was a mistake. Yes. Simply put, he, if and I said this yesterday, if you don't think he made a mistake, you're a moron. Yes. He made and, a and, mistake. And a, a majority can, of the of the feedback I've gotten on social media that said he didn't make a mistake. Well, they're, they're stupid. Now, your reaction to the mistake, like is it the worst mistake ever? Is it revealing of something? Is it, you know, did the world just end? Or did you feel differently about it? That's open to sort of, it's a subjective yeah. thing. Yeah. It, when you're when you have a play left in the game and your quarterback starting quarterback who has played the entire game and he's not injured isn't out there for that final play that's a mistake period he should have been there now let's move on to your reaction to the mistake i'm not going to debate and nobody nobody with intelligence is going to debate that it wasn't a mistake well i i combine it with his performance at the press conference uh i i think it was a revealing moment uh, most people think it was a teachable moment of immaturity. I tend to think you got a glimpse of, of who Dwayne Haskins is, and I don't think that's going to change. I'm not sure what it is, but my initial reaction, well, my reaction after thinking about it for three minutes was, it's not the end of the world. He's young. He was excited. They just won their first game in a long time at home, his first game as a starter, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I want it to be a teachable moment for the organization. You think it was revealing? That's fine. And it may turn out to have been revealing. Only time will tell. We right. don't know that for sure. But I do think in the moment, it has to be for any organization that understands right versus wrong, an opportunity to sit down with him and say, look, you're excited. You thought the game was over. The, clock's act- the clock actually revealed zeros on it. Also, just so everybody understands, he did celebrate it with Kevin O'Connell and Morgan Moses and some people on the bench before he went over to take the selfies. Actually, before he took the selfies, he was high-fiving fans in the stands. Okay, but but before all of that, there is the shot of him on the sidelines right. as the Redskins are getting ready to kick off, following the kickoff, of him hugging Kevin O'Connell, Morgan that. Moses, and the whole thing. 
But per- personally, I think you've got you got to ensure that he understands that this was a mistake and it can't happen again. Who teaches? Period. Who teaches them? Well, this? that's that's a big question. They 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 don't have. They, I mean, who in the organization other than Callahan who admitted that it was a mistake? Yeah. But who in the front office would even view it as a mistake? Well, Doug Williams would. Doug Williams would. Doug Williams I would. I actually think Bruce Allen would actually view it as a mistake. Oh, yeah, Bruce Dan would. Dan Snyder probably immediately began apologizing for him, is my guess. Oh, I think that's my my point is, if anyone in the organization actually sat down to uh, to tell him that you can't do Not this. Not apologizing for him, rationalizing what oh, he did. Oh, of course. Yes. And my point would be, the biggest teacher in the organization, the most powerful teacher, the guy who owns the team, Dan Snyder, probably thought it was great. Yep. Probably thought, oh, yeah, this is great, connecting with the fans. Right. Thought it was great. <laughs> and as long as you're the player and you know the owner probably, you know, you know, was fine with what you did, why would you care what, what Bill Callahan or Doug Williams or Bruce Allen says? Right. The owner thinks it's cool. I mean, I don't know if that's the case. I'm predicting what I think Dan Snyder's be, uh, reaction would be. There's no doubt that if you uh, if we had to uh, to discuss uh, what do we think Dan Snyder's reaction was, I would agree with you. Yeah, he, and probably was you know on the phone with Haskins and Haskins, the corporate the uh, the the LLC that they've created, and told all the people that work for it. Did you see that? Yeah. What, what a job over there! The selfies. Yeah. We're going to get pictures of the selfies. We're going to get that guy. That guy I had on the radio show. I don't know why I had, had him on the radio show. You didn't have that. No. Oh, Tommy. Uh, oh, I, no. I know. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. It was a bit of a debate, and I'm like, why are we doing this? Does he have some sort of story that's going to be entertaining? Every TV station put him on. Oh, show. my. Trust me. I did it, and Aaron texted me last night and said, hey, I can get this guy, and I said, nope. I already did it on the radio, and it was a waste of time. Sorry, because the guy was a nice guy. I, 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 if he listens to the podcast, his name was Jaime. Um, I forget what his last name was. Um, but he was very nice, and he was a new football fan in the market. It was the first game he's ever attended. But I didn't personally – I mean, unless there was some you know crazy story there. there, there, there look, I It mean, was his camera, just if you were wondering. It, well, was, his, it, it was. was his phone. I figured it was. I, I mean, that would have been worse it, had it yeah, been Wayne's had, had phone. He pulled out his phone, right. yeah. I, I thought it was. But I mean, I just think I just think it, it's it's foolish to glorify the moment, and putting him on the air does that. But if you put him on the air, if you're one of the TV uh, talking uh, empty heads who put him on the air, you know they all think it's cool. They all think what he did is great. <laughs> well, what he, what Haskins? No, I don't think everybody thinks what oh, Haskins did is. I great. think anyone who put him on the air and sat down and talked to him th- th- thinks what happened was great. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, you know what. That has passed, and it'll become an issue like draft night, like, uh, you know, league done messed up, like all of the things that are sort of building up a case against him in terms of if you believe that arrogance and character and self-absorption all sort of play into your reason as to why you don't think he's going to turn out to be great, you're you're building up some evidence. You know, it's hard to dispute that. Let me just be on the record again. I'd run away from this kid after what I saw at that press conference. And let me be on the record. I'd bet against him becoming a franchise record uh, quarterback, but I am going to be patient and watch this thing play out because there are things that he has that, to me, I'm buying into a little bit. And I'm talking about the stuff on the field primarily. Um, okay, uh, real quickly, if you want to listen to us, we've got a brand new app. Uh, if that's how you like listening to shows and podcasts, I've got my Twitter feed. We've got the show Twitter feed. We've got the show Facebook feed on it. Uh, if you're on uh, an iPhone, just go to the App Store. If you're on an Android, go to the Google Store and download the app. It seems to work. If you like the podcast platform that you're using, use that. Don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps us and subscribe as well. Are, are, are we Are we over? No. We're not done. Oh, okay. Because I want to get a selfie right before we're done. I know. We're going to get a selfie. Okay. Um, wanted to talk briefly about the Cowboys, and then I want to get to this Nick, Nick Young, Gilbert Arenas oh, thing. Yeah. Um, so Jerry Jones, a couple of things real quickly about the game on Sunday. Did you watch the Patriots-Cowboys game? Because we did not do a you lot see, of I'm, around I'm, the NFL yesterday. That was the, what, 425 yeah. game? 
I'm writing then, so yeah. no, I'm not watching. So the game. it's one of the, yeah. So you missed on on what really turned out to be. I think despite the score and some of the circumstances, the weather was terrible in that game. I thought it was a really intense game, hard hitting the whole thing. Um, there were, there was a penalty, two penalties called on the Cowboys tripping calls. They are two of just four tripping penalties called all season in the NFL. The NFL came out yesterday and said both of them were wrong. Really, and one of them was really hurtful to them because it was their final drive. It was the third and one that they picked up, uh, you know, down 13-9. They were already moving out from their own goal line. Anyway, um, I had the Cowboys on the money line Sunday, uh, so I really wanted them to go down and win the game. I also had the Cowboys plus five and a half, so I was fine with Jason Garrett kicking the field goal with six minutes. I also, I also thought it was right strategically. But Jerry Jones after the game um, was very, very strong-worded in, in his disappointment of this team. And he essentially said, we got out-coached, and some of this stuff can't happen. Specifically, here were the quotes. Um, he said, with the makeup of this team, I shouldn't be this frustrated. Uh, we have the talent, so talent isn't the problem. You know, he's ripping into Jason Garrett. Part of this, too, very interestingly, somebody wrote, Don Van Natta, actually it was, wrote that Troy Aikman, in criticizing, in, as part of the broadcast, he got after Jason Garrett and the staff, especially the special teams coaching. And um, Van Natta said that Jerry listens to everything Troy says. Really? Yeah. And that Troy being down on the coaching staff may have sort of been <laughs> the prompt for Jerry to go after his own coaching staff. I had Brad Sham on radio this morning, and I, I was curious as to whether or not this could be an in-season firing of Jason Garrett. He said no. Jason Garrett's going to last the rest of the year. I don't think the Cowboy. I don't think Jerry's ever done that during the season. I, I can't. I don't know that he has. I don't think he has. Hasn't. But he said it would be wildly popular among the fans. The fans have, for years now, they have had it with Jason right. Garrett. In the meantime, they're very much in position to win their second straight division title in the NFC East. They do have a lot of talent to be 6-5. and five. they yes. got a lot of talent yes, on that football do. team. But this is it for Jason Garrett. I think you saw Jerry essentially say... I've about had it with the coaching staff. We're we're too good to be six and five. Now maybe he's doing it to light a fuse and to say you better make a run to eleven and five and win a couple of playoff games. It's going to be pretty hard in the NFC with the 49ers yeah. in the NFC with um, you know uh, the Saints in the NFC. You know which looks to me like the NFC you know title game matchup down the road. You got that game coming up too. You know the and 49ers the have the Ravens this week and the Saints next week yeah. after playing the Packers on Sunday night, which was a complete blowout. Man, the 49ers and Ravens did they make statements this past weekend? Or Absolutely. What? But um, Cowboys are an interesting story because they they have enough talent to compete for something much bigger and him being very patient with J, with J, with Garrett over these years may ultimately hurt him i i think that becomes immediately the number one available job Absolutely. in the offseason even more than the redskins so well of course <laughs> you're you're being sarcastic but i'm i'm trying to think of what the jobs will be cuz the redskins to see if the redskins will be at the bottom of the list so um, it's very possible the jet job opens up. Does Brian you know, Flores get fired after one year in Miami? Probably not. You know who's the, who's um, the owner? Uh, who's the, who's in the owner of the Jets? Not Woody Johnson. Yeah, anymore. it's Woody Johnson. He's coming back from oh, his ambassadorship. Coming, yeah, is it? Well, who's, it's his son. The son said that that Chris. Adam Gase will be there. Yeah, this year Kiss and next death. year. Okay, uh, maybe Adam Gase. By the way, the Jets are all of a sudden playing very well. I know they've won three in a row. Um, so let's go with the jobs that we know for sure will be available at the end of the season. They would be Doug Marone in Jacksonville, gone. Um, uh, Redskin, uh, Redskins job available, Cowboys job available. Is Pat Shermer gone in New York after this year? Is that a definite? I don't think that's a definite. It's not a definite. Dan Quinn, I would say. Dan Quinn, definitely gone. That's I just gave you four definites. You think Ron R Rivera gets another year in Carolina? I think so. I do, too. Although, Freddie I don't know. Freddie Kitchens, I think, Freddie is the Kitchens. big one. So I just gave you five. And I would say the Giants are close to six. Oh, God, the, the Cleveland job's a much better job than the Redskins job. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the of the real bad. Obviously, the Dallas opportunity's better. J yeah, the Redskins are at the bottom of the list with yes, Jacksonville. They are. 
Although Jacksonville's got some talent and they've got some talent on defense. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to work for Coughlin in Jacksonville. That's not as bad as working for Snyder, but I've, but you know, from what we've read, it's a problem working for Coughlin. Boy, they were so close to going to the Super Bowl two years ago. So yeah. close. They had the Patriots on the ropes in Foxborough. If in the they AFC had a quarterback, game. they would have won. They would have. Um, all right, let's finish up with this Nick Young uh, Gilbert Arena story. So Nick Young uh, was on this podcast uh, the other day talking old wizard stories um, when he was here with Gilbert Arenas, et cetera. And he talked about um, an incident. He said Young and some of his other teammates surprised Gilbert Arenas sound asleep one night by shooting him with paintball guns to wake him up. The next day, Young brought a BB gun to the practice facility. Who did? Nick Young did. Okay. Arenas took the gun out of Young's locker, took it into a league-sponsored meeting about gun awareness and safety, and started shooting Nick Young with the BB gun. They, he had to get the BBs removed oh from my his gosh. shoulders. You sent me this story. I know that, but I didn't know I didn't I didn't know the walk up to this. Yeah. I didn't know it was a league meeting about gun about guns. Uh the whole gun thing with Javars Crittenden, et cetera. Yes. Um uh, it, this was a complete and utter inmates running the asylum situation in Washington with Gilbert Arenas here and, and, and Nick Young. And who else? JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee. And uh and Andre Blotch. Andre Blotch. Yes, the captain. Oh my god, what a group. I know that, but yet there there are fans out there that still swear by Ernie, by by well, <laughs> no, by Gilbert, by, by by Gilbert. Oh come on! I mean, still swear by him. Yeah. You know that he was the greatest player in the history of the franchise. Uh yes. Yeah, so in in that podcast, he revealed that he actually had to have the BBs removed from his shoulder. That's unbelievable! <laughs> Incredible. And look at if and 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 you know if people knew that Ted had to know that. He had to know that. I don't know. Maybe he, you know, in his early days just figured this is what these NBA players do. I mean, my God. Trevor Booker, um, a couple of weeks ago, was interviewed, and he was talking about his early days. You know, he was drafted by the Wizards. Right. And he said, quote, it was the most terrible team that I've probably been on, but it was probably the most fun I've ever had in the NBA, NBA because those guys didn't care at all. I would come into the locker room the day of a game and watch one player cut up the suit of another player. One guy took a dump in another guy's shoe. That was Gilbert. Yes. What, oh, my goodness. I've got stories for days. We could go on the road and we would break into each other's room and beat up a player, tie him up. There's so many stories I got from those Washington days. It was so much fun. But looking back on it, oh, my goodness, it was so unprofessional. <laughs> that's just unbelievable. Uh, that That's Ernie Grunfeld's legacy right there. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many teams this would have been normal for in the yeah. NBA, but um, it certainly so, didn't produce or wasn't conducive to winning. So one, no wonder Flip Saunders went, God rest his soul, <laughs> when, when he came on the show with us after he had been fired, basically said he walked into Ted's office after he was fired and said, you got to get rid of these guys. Yeah. You got to get rid. I mean, that was when the big three were, were Andre Bloch, JaVale McGee, and Nick Young. Gilbert had already been yeah. gone. At, at that point, you know, I mean, how many did times did Ted put together a committee to to investigate no. and no, no, he come didn't. up with all the data to but, to, but er, to, Ernie, to create a, but, a, a, a solution? Ernie got credit, a synergistic solution. Ernie got credit for for getting rid of the knuckleheads, so the knuckleheads that he brought in. <laughs> yeah, the, the knuckleheads that he brought in. I'll tell you who didn't put up with any of that shit when 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 they got here was Randy Whitman, right. and Nene, and Trevor Ariza. When they got some real maturity into the locker room and some tough guys, I mean, I remember you know hearing Wall and Beal say that essentially the locker room was run by real you know guys like Nene and Ariza. Yeah. So it changed then, and not you know it's hardly a coincidence they actually started to put together some decent teams. Yeah. Until they decided to go for Kevin Durant in 2016. <laughs> All right, what else you got? Happy Thanksgiving. What are you doing? Are you going up to Philly? Going up to Philly. You know, th- thank God the Redskins aren't on, on TV. First so, time in three years they're not so playing I don't on Thanksgiving. Ha- so I don't have thank to, God. I don't have to watch them, you know. 
Uh, so I don't have to. I don't have to go find some obscure sports bar that's open on Thanksgiving afternoon. Yeah, and and, and watch the game. Thank God the Redskins aren't playing this Thanksgiving. Yes, we had three in a row. We had 2016, which is a really good game. That was still over the last couple of years, probably the most important record, or probably the best combined records of the two teams playing in a game that involved the Redskins. They were 6-3-1 and one after they had beaten, remember, the Packers on Sunday night. And the Cowboys were 10-1 and one wow. on that Thanksgiving day, t- uh, three years ago now. Then they played the Giants at home on Thanksgiving night, which Snyder desperately wanted for years. He wanted that Thanksgiving night game at home. And it was a dud of a game that they yeah. won. And then last year they played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving day. Um, Colt played that. Colt game. played that game through a couple of late picks. Yeah. They they were six and four going into that game. They yeah. were tied for first. Yep. going into that game. And then, what do you uh, think Colt is thinking these days? Get me the hell out of here! What did they do to me? Yeah. What did they do? To I've me? heard Case Keenum's not very happy at all. Can you imagine on that sideline Sunday, Case? Case, <laughs> oh my God, where are you? You got to get in there. What, what are you talking about? We want you to go take the the final <laughs> knee. And he probably initially, without knowing, said, "Are you out of your effing mind? Yeah. That dude's throwing eight feet over everybody's head all day, and you want me to go take the knee?" <laughs> and they, well, we, he's over there taking selfies. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll, I'll get in the game and take the final knee. You know, yeah, keep, I bet that went over well. Yeah, probably not very well. Um, Alex Smith. Uh, according to my information, is more of his mentor these days than are the other two guys. You know, I don't know that they have the best of quarterback rooms right now. And and understandably so. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, We won't do a show on Thursday this week. Uh, I'll do a show tomorrow. Be back on Friday to do a show uh, and then Tommy will be back next Tuesday. They play the Panthers on Sunday. You don't have to make a prediction loss yeah um but uh i'll talk to you next tuesday happy thanksgiving all right you too boss all right thanks to aaron thanks to all of you uh back tomorrow enjoy the day